0: Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Visit Bull Realty. Dot com. Well, we have another great show for you today. Look, in commercial real estate, we want to skate where the puck is going, right? We want to think about What's impacting commercial real estate and the economy? What could impact it moving forward so that we can plan accordingly, right, for our commercial real estate endeavors? Well, once a year, the counselors of real estate do their top 10 issues affecting real estate. Today we're gonna cover their top 10 issues affecting real estate for 2022 and 2023. Please welcome my guest, it's Marilee Utter. She's president of City Venture Associates and she's the 2022 chair of Counselors of Real Estate. Lee. thanks for joining us.
1: My pleasure, thank you, Michael.
0: And uh, let's, let's get to it. And you know, some of these are what people would expect, but uh, we're gonna go through one through 10 and, and, and look at a new slant and think about what you might be able to do moving forward with these issues affecting real estate. And of course, the first one's the big one, right? The elephant in the room, inflation and interest rates, right?
1: Right. This um, It has to be number one this year because it's changing every day. You know, the counselors intentionally release this report mid-year. There's a flurry of reports at the beginning of every year, but things change. And what we're finding is the acceleration and the unexpected causes of the dynamics in our industry are changing every day as well. So, the the number one issue for us obviously is this economy, and we're watching it like everybody else is day to day. I mean, the the, the, it, the pandemic caused a big change in our economy, and that was you know first the Fed came in focused on getting jobs back, then came back and said, well, oops, we better fix the inflation, and we were pretty much on track. What we were experiencing was more like a warlike situation where we had. a worker shortage going on. We had supply chain disruptions, and yet there was a lot of demand. And so that created inflation. But then along came the war in Europe, in Ukraine. Along came the other kinds of global upsets that are happening to us. And now we're in a world of black swans. It's hard to tell what's going on and what's going to happen next, that's the, that's the issue we're all wrestling with. I think the, the message here, I mean, you all know the statistics of inflation up, but employment is still strong and demand is, is holding up really pretty well. So like so many of these questions about recession, a lot of it is a self-fulfilling prophecy. It really isn't a, a, it established that we're going to go into recession, a technical recession, and does that really matter? As long as consumers keep holding up with their consumption, seventy percent of GDP, and businesses keep going along, I think um it'll be we'll be fine. Uh, if we do slip into recession, uh, the thought is that it it won't be forever. It won't be like the great you know recession before. by twenty twenty four things should be back on on track. However, Certainly, home prices will slow, and that's a good thing. Uh, Volumes should drop a bit. Uh, The markets that have seen a a really rapid increase are probably going to see a pretty rapid decrease as well. Um, That's what we can be looking forward to. But all in all, that should equalize things and actually make them a little more sustainable.
0: Yeah, yeah, well... I guess there's some good news in there for sure. Let's think about number two, geopolitical risk. And you mentioned the war in Ukraine, right?
1: Right. I mean, that yeah, that far. obviously is, is having repercussions and it's uh, the repercussions that we're going to feel in the US, uh, obviously food prices are going up. The rest of the world is having food shortage, much more desperate situation. Um, we're also seeing a slowing in the recession, recession, inflation, those kinds of dynamics going on in Europe, China, Russia, they're all struggling with it. So these repercussions are going to impact us more than we're used to, I think. Um, commodity prices are going to go up and the supply chains are going to suffer. What we'll feel that the most, I think, is uh, with auto, I, mean, I mentioned food, autos, uh, technology are going to suffer electronics quite a bit, um, and and so we should expect that continue. That isn't going to get fixed overnight, no matter what the Fed does.
0: Yeah. All right, let's jump to number three, and this is one that uh, kind of everyone's, uh, everyone's mind these days, and that's hybrid work. Right.
1: Um, this you know we know a lot more than we did last year this this issue back to work was on our agenda last year and we're a lot a lot further along in understanding the dynamics although obviously the the inflation is and and the p- potential for recession is changing those dynamics again every single day i think it's pretty well established that hybrid work flexibility in work uh, depending on the industry Uh, and the location to some extent are are, are going to be part of our future going forward. And so now the question is, how do we adjust? You know, the Harvard Business Review, Stanford, I think across the board, people are saying two to three days in the office is probably going to be a norm for a lot of people. Um, People want Mondays and Fridays off. So we're working on that and and figuring that out. the big surprise out of all this was the big decentralization the move away from the core city and this is the first time in decades that you haven't seen people and resources pouring into that inner core in the region and whether they were moving to a suburb or moving further out to more lifestyle and more importantly affordable cities that's the question of how long will that uh, be sustained and how, how strong will that trend be? Um, so that's, that's what we're looking at now. The implications of that. Obviously, cities are, are having to take a look at themselves again. There's still a lot of vacant retail as well as office going on. You know, workers are back still 40, 45 percent, maybe on a national average. National averages don't matter so much. It's about your city. But cities are having to rethink them what they're about and what amenities they're going to offer. We're going to see a lot more housing amenities, a lot more residential, try to make downtowns more versatile rather than just work sessions, work locations. Um, also, I think the other impact is really going to be what happens in those suburbs and in those smaller cities they're really being impacted by this overload of people and infrastructure demands so might be an opportunity to urbanize the suburbs might be an opportunity for more sustainability over time in those communities
0: good point we're going over the uh, councils of real estate top 10 issues affecting real estate for this year and Number four, you mentioned briefly uh, before, but number four is supply chain disruption.
1: Right. I think the big idea here is that this problem was, this was a problem before the pandemic hit, that this industry is being very slow to automate. The communication systems or the management systems just aren't in place. You'd be surprised how much paper is being used instead of virtual data to communicate through all of this. And so, um, there's work to be done in this industry, which means that the supply chains are going to continue to be a challenge. And with that challenge, I think you'll see a lot more automation happening. Um, you're also going to see a lot more friend-shoring friend and near-shoring. CEOs are really worried about this um, economic disruption, so Seventy two percent of them in one survey said they were worried about losing their jobs because of this business interruption. And so instead of focusing more on cost cutting and efficiency, it's business continuity that is the new primary concern. So you're going to see changes in warehousing because of that automation, as I said, and and trying to get better control of supply chain. More things coming back, more manufacturing coming back to the U.S.
0: Yeah, and at about time. I think it's good to get some of the manufacturing back to the U.S. and uh, and have the supply chain. You know, let's not have this happen again, right? Number five is energy,
1: and this year, I mean, what a huge topic. But this year, we really focused on the energy needs of office buildings and what's going on there. One trend that we're seeing across the board is that the quality of office space is really making a difference in workers desire to come back and they want different kinds of amenities than before i mean first of all they want it to be healthy and safe and so a lot on hvac lighting acoustics uh, daylight and so on um a lot of a lot of design opportunities, you're seeing a lot of architects and a lot of people in design world having um, opportunities here to rethink office space, workspaces, we should probably call them um, more appropriately. One of the challenges that goes with that, however, is that the more you fix up those systems, the more greenhouse gases you you create. And so there's a direct conflict in many cases between upgrading for health and safety and hurting climate change. Now, a lot of metering can really help that problem and we're seeing that kick in. So more opportunities for automation, but clearly these buildings are going to have to be upgraded. So class A will feel very different than class B and class C. And those making the investment in the spaces are probably gonna see a, a big improvement in being able to hold their attract and hold their employees over time. The question, a lot of talk has been, oh, well, we'll just turn all that office space at Class B, Class C into residential. Not so easy to do. You know, 10% of office space maybe. Depends on the era and how flexible it is. But you can't count on that to take care of things. The better shot is is just to invest in your buildings.
0: Yeah, good point. And I think one thing will come... um out of the pandemic that is a positive for us and that's wellness and and healthy i think hopefully we'll have a more healthy environment more buildings will get wellness certifications and and we'll have healthier places to to work right and then number six uh is one that's really seems to be impacting a lot of businesses or almost every business that's a labor shortage
1: and this has also been a long time coming it isn't a surprise um the it, it, economists have long predicted that the 2020s would be a, a much slower GDP decade for us. And that's because when the U.S. shifted from labor, short, labor surplus to labor sh- scarcity, and this is just basic demographics, it has to do with low birth rate, which has huge impacts for us over time, and also early retirements and low immigration. So kind of logical that all of a sudden the workforce is going to shrink and we're going to be shortage. Uh, We're going to have a shortage there. Obviously the pandemic expedited all of that, but boils down to today you have about twice as many jobs as you have workforce. And everybody says, well, where did they go? Well, the workforce went to better jobs by and large, a lot of the layoffs and the, and the, and the, quit rates were in the lower income jobs. And when given a break and a chance to upgrade, they did. They also moved to more affordable communities. So there's this mismatch going on between geography of where the workers are and where they want to be, where they can afford to be, because housing is so expensive, and also uh, what their skills are. A lot of people not trained yet. And not in the not in the industries where we want them, um, obviously, as I said, it's uneven people in the business and and financial sectors much less impacted by this, but obviously retail, hospitality, manufacturing, logistics been hit really hard on all of this. Um, the, I guess the what was the biggest point I would leave you with um, I guess it comes back again to that workspace is that's one strategy that we can be doing. We m- might be looking at less office space. It's gonna be more expensive to make this high quality office space. So designers, you know, o- occupiers are going to say, can you make it a little smaller if it's gonna be so highly amenitized? And then more automation. You can't get workers, you're gonna to have to automate. So I think across across the board, Our industries need to be looking at how automation is going to be creeping in.
0: Yeah, good point. And we're going over the top 10 issues affecting real estate for 2022, 2023 that CRE CRE counselors puts out every year. And number seven it kind of rolls into what you were just talking about uh, is the great housing imbalance. Tell us about that.
1: Right. Um, Well, that's been going on for a while in the 1980s. We were building about 1.2, we were building about one unit for every 1.2 jobs. By the 2010s, we were building one housing unit for 2.6 jobs. Today, we're building about one housing unit for every four jobs. So we're just getting worse, it's not getting better. Um, I mean, and and then when you look at the pandemic, uh, this is kind of interesting. By March of 2020, something like 52% of young adults had moved in with their parents. <laughs> Nobody liked that. So a year later, by the same time in 21, a year ago, um, there was this huge demand you know, for new household creation as people moved out. Um, and we've obviously seen that, that impact hitting us. At this point, we're building about a million uh, single-family units a year, and that's about a third of what the market demand is. In multifamily, we're building, we've been building at our top capacity. You see apartment buildings going up in so many cities, um, but even that is only half of the demand. That's a little over 700,000 units. Um, so um, we, we're we really in a pickle here and we cities that are acting to increase their housing are really going to benefit Cities that aren't, that don't, and particularly workforce housing, it doesn't have to be technically government affordable housing subsidized, just workforce housing, which I understand is a huge challenge giving land prices, entitlements, supply chains, labor costs. I mean, I I understand the challenges, but somehow communities have to find a way to up their housing capacity. Those that aren't are seeing outflows San Francisco being the poster child for that right now in the Bay Area, people just can't afford to stay no matter how much they want to. And the other thing that we're seeing pretty, um, I mean, obviously economic output drops, your local economy drops when you don't have workers to do the work and attract new businesses. But the other thing is this tie to social unrest and to homelessness which is in itself is a huge issue and is hurting our downtowns, hurting our communities, um, hurting our social fabric and our humanity. And there's, there's recent research that shows, yes, the homeless issue is tied to substance abuse, uh, to mental illness and so on, but there's an extraordinarily high correlation between housing shortages and homelessness. So don't ever doubt that creating housing has something to do with reducing that problem that is that is just permeating our country so badly.
0: Yeah, certainly a lot of opportunities there. And we're going over the top 10 issues uh, affecting uh, real estate with uh, Maryly Utter. And she's president of City Venture Associates and uh, a CRE counselor and uh, the chair for 2022. And number eight is regulatory uncertainty.
1: Right. Um, You know, our industry loves stability. We like predictability. We like to know what the rules are. Tell us the rules and we can develop according to that. And these times are nothing like that. There is regulation coming at us from every direction. So if you look at the federal level, I mean, first of all, it happened with COVID and with the shutdowns. And then also with then the, the financial stimulus. And I mean, the cash, virtually cash infusions that came back to help the economy. Um, so that was huge impact that we weren't planning on. Um, there was tenant eviction moratoriums were part of that. And a lot of that regulation is still hanging on and is still in there. Um, but then along came the states and the cities. You know, so much innovation in our country is coming from the states and the cities. They're frustrated with what's going on in Washington, things aren't going fast enough or the way they want them to go. So they're coming up with their own regulations. Obviously, all kinds of battles with the Supreme Court now about which prevails national law or state law. And there's also conflicts going on between um, states passing regulatory um, mandates and cities losing control of land use. So there's squabbles between cities and states and states and feds, and then there's all these other rules that are coming out. They tend to be, at the local level, they tend to be a lot about environmental, although that's the feds obviously have a lot of environmental going on as well, Um, a lot of environmental, and then a lot around affordable housing because of this housing shortage that we talked about already. So there's all kinds of rules about the quality of what you're building, the availability, the you know mandatory inclusionary zoning. What percentage of affordable housing do you have to build? What kind of fees do you have to pay? All of those things are just layering on as the as the country and the world goes through these economic cycles. That we're, I mean, we're not really going even. You know, through the typical economic cycles that we're used to, the kind you learn, you know, in school that oh, things go up, things go down. We have inflation, recession comes back. I think the model, the context now is much more like having an earthquake, an earthquake with aftershocks. We went through a big pandemic shock, came back. We thought things were even out. And then all these other things happened like supply chains and global disruptions, and so on, and it's aftershocks that keep coming at us, which make it very unpredictable. And so the regulatory system is responding, trying to respond to even things out, and it's just adding on, and making it tougher and more expensive to develop and manage. Um, so this is, um, you know, this is this is tough. I guess the if you say, how do you get ahead of it? It's really trying to look at these ESG issues, which is really our our, our our one of our issues, too, and getting into that and getting ahead of it and being proactive because there's so much regulation.
0: Yeah, uh, it would certainly help the housing situation as well if we could cut down some of the regulatory, you know, Blocking yeah. the things, making things more expensive. No. All right, and number nine is cybersecurity interruptions.
1: Right. Well, it's finally happening. I mean, so we've been doing technology for um, technology improvements across our industry for a long, long time, and some really wonderful systems improvements in in HVAC and lighting and things like that, um, building operations you know, elevators, building access, all kinds of cool uh, technology improvements. The problem is that they haven't been working together. It's been kind of siloed development. And so there isn't a systems approach to that, and there isn't the expertise in the industry to protect us from cybersecurity. And now with all the global um, issues going on, wars and, and so on, um the attacks are starting and they're very real and they're 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 everywhere. So we've got Russian malware being found in HVAC contractors' uh systems. Uh, there's international hackers, you know, the, the ransomware people uh I've gotten into uh Boston Children's Hospital HVAC system. Iranian documents have been intercepted that show they actually have the names of manufacturers for HVAC lighting and monitoring systems. So these things are happening and they're happening around us. It's not just a, a foreign threat anymore. It's really happening. And, it, and so, you know, the, the typical answer is, well, I'm sure against that or I'll hire experts to take care of it. Well, guess what? The insurance is going away. You know, GL general liability, property insurance generally have exclusions to cybersecurity threats. Um, and even if you buy riders, often those lead to litigation. So it's, it's unavailable, very expensive, and ultimately may not give you the coverage that you think you need. It's even reaching now to directors and officers' liability policy. So the insurance aspect is really a problem. And the impacts obviously are profound. Not only could you you're offering you know building and safety risks, um, you could close down the building for a while, was so a building stoppage. Um, you're offering potentially full access to your building, uh, to your your company systems, and all your access to your data that can have brand damage associated with it, of course. Um, and ultimately it's one more thing that means it's going to be more expensive to build and operate our buildings, but it, we've got to be realistic. I mean, the day after February 24th, the day after Russia invaded Ukraine, all of a sudden cybersecurity activity in the U S just skyrocketed. So it's real.
0: Yeah, it certainly spiked up. It's It's been kind of crazy. And, uh, I agree with you. We have to be really proactive about that. The number 10 is uh, ESG requirements, forcing change. Right.
1: right. We've heard about ESG again for several years. This isn't a new topic by any means. What's different now is there's finally being the regulation. We're finally seeing the regulation that we expected. And that the good news is that's being forced by consumers, um, by individuals and companies and investors and shareholders saying, guess what, you've got to get serious about these issues or it's going to impact our long-term viability. So in the U.S., um, in 2021, the SEC established the ESG Enforcement Task Force. In 22, they issued this warning that said, you better get serious because we're going to do additional scrutiny on your reports. You can't just kind of greenwash these things anymore we're going to be really looking at what kind of measures and how you're following through. And they also made a, a proposal, which is still out there and pending, that said that the pub, all public companies would have to disclose their their greenhouse gas and the climate change impacts the risk disclosures, and they're pretty rigorous risk disclosures They have to do with both the physical risk and the transition risk of getting your company to that level of of performance. So USA is is stepping it up through the SEC. Um, Europe, of course, has always been ahead of us on this, um, but they also are, are being pretty strict in stepping up their rigor. I mean, look at the fires and the heat they're experiencing for them. It is so real right now. So UK has the green finance system that they're using. Um, the The EU has its European climate law that calls for greenhouse uh, neutrality by 2050. I mean, we're looking for 50% reduction, their neutrality, so they're really hitting it. And then, as we said earlier, the cities and the states are getting much more active too because things aren't moving as fast as they think they need to. So right now we have over 30 cities and four states that are requiring benchmarking, again, on uh, climate change measures And they're using reports then to uh, go back to their businesses and say, hey, step it up here. Several cities, in fact, are mandating cuts, including New York, Boston, D.C., Denver. I'm happy to report. Um, So that's really hitting us, as, as I said, primarily on the climate change. But ESG is environmental, social, and governance. We're seeing the governance through the laws being put in place talked about environmental, social is coming up too. There's expectations about health and wellness, as we talked about a few minutes ago, and also diversity, racial diversity. So you can be looking forward to that kind of pressure regulation coming up in the future as well. I mean, the the opportunities for design and development again are there because now that it's being mandated, people can't say, well, I'll just you know, except a little lower rent. They're going to have to fix their buildings uh, of all kinds, and they're going to have to track the portfolio. One of the more successful strategies we're seeing is, again, building owners, portfolio managers, getting ahead of the regulations, knowing where they stand so that they can plan their capital outlays and and their budgets. And they're using this carbon risk real estate monitor, CREEN, uh, which gives them, it's a software product, it gives them the feedback they need, and then they can see where they stand. So you're going to be seeing a lot more ESG coming along.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. Well, Marilee, as you guys went through, the Siri counselors, it's a great group. Uh, if if My listeners and viewers, if you're not familiar with them, check them out. We'll put a link uh, at the show website, SiriShow.com. Uh, to the actual report, but Marilee, as you guys went through this and, and you've, uh, you've been involved in it and talking about it, what would you leave our audience with to think about moving forward?
1: Um, well, I would say two things. One, be mindful because the world, if things are changing so quickly right now, be attentive to things that you maybe thought didn't relate to real estate, didn't relate to your business, didn't relate to your life. Um, every day right now is bringing us a change and we need to be really quick and responsive. Um, the other part I would say is um, is go for improvements. Make the investment um, to invest in your spaces and bring them up. The labor shortage, the housing shortage, those spaces really need to be improved. So if you're in those, those niches, Go for it. Make the investment now. It's not going to get any cheaper, and it will do you very well.
0: Well said, and great interview, Marilee. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks.
1: My pleasure.
0: All right, and thank you for joining us around the country. Hey, hey please review the show. Please share the show. Uh, please subscribe wherever you get the show. If you're getting on uh, Apple Podcasts or getting on YouTube, uh, Hit if it's YouTube, hit that subscribe button in the the bell for notifications, all that great stuff, right? And thanks for being with us. And until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Buxton. Take leasing, site selection, and due diligence to the next level. Make the right decisions with on-demand mobile data visit buxtonco.com. By Bull Realty, for proven commercial real estate asset and occupancy solutions, contact me. My email is michael at bullrealty.com. By Commercial Agent Success, expert-level commercial real estate broker training, cloud access one up to 21 one-hour videos. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Thank you for reviewing, subscribing, and sharing America's Commercial Real Estate Show.